Hello and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist and I'm the online editor at The Strad. In October 2021, Moldovan violinist Alexandra Kononova was travelling to Moscow for a concert when customs officials seized her extremely valuable Guadagnini violin upon citing an erroneously written letter in her violin passport. Alexandra is an extremely busy and in-demand performer, She's a previous joint first prize winner at the Josef Joachim competition, as well as prize winner at the Tchaikovsky and Singapore International Violin Competitions. So you can imagine, this encounter was not what she needed. What followed were two months of tedious bureaucratic back and forth, campaigns, a petition, and a lot of frustration to get her violin back. Here to speak about her experiences, in her own words, is Alexandra. Alexandra, welcome to the Strad Podcast. This is really special for me to be speaking to you today because you've had a very difficult last few months, uh, a situation which we'll be talking about very soon, where you had your Guadagnini violin taken away from you. The good news is, is that you recently have received your precious violin back. But I thought, first of all, can you tell us, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to tell us in your own words, what happened back in October at the airport when the violin was taken away from you? First of all, thank you very much for the invitation to talk about this uh, topic, which, uh, as I can see and follow, is becoming a very important part of our lives as traveling becomes so important. As for my story, I was traveling I came actually to Moldova to visit my parents and was headed to um, to Moscow for a concert. I knew that there were some requirements for entering Russia, as always, like declaring your instruments and having pictures for it and, uh, you know, just filling out the declaration and that would be enough. But then I just to be sure, contacted my friends in Moscow, also musicians, and asked, are there any changes for foreigners? And uh, uh, they told me, yes, now you do need a violent passport. I made two or three times passports for my ex-violence I played before the quad, but never did one for, I mean, not never did one for this, but um, I didn't have any any more the the passport I did for this violin, also in Moldova some, some years ago. So I just had it uh, had the um, the loan contract with me, which is for Europe travels, for Japan travels, for you know Australia, the US always have been enough, and there were never questions. I actually have never been stopped before in any country but Russia. So when when crossing uh, the border in Moldova, I've been asked to to present the the violin and to say what it is and everything. So I said, well. That's a Guadagnini, and they asked, "Is it a is it a valuable piece?" <laughs> that well, I said, "Well, that's 1785, and here it is. I just did a passport uh, by a luthier in Moldova because I need to travel to Moscow, and the loan contract uh, isn't enough." Enough. So I presented this passport, which I did. It's a violin maker that uh, I personally know. I never used his services before, but I personally know him since I was six. And then we just saw this, together with the customs, we saw this inscription that the violin maker uh, wrote. This violin represents historic and cultural interest for the Republic of Moldova. So this means that when you have this kind of mention, you need to have an authorization from the country. If it really belongs to the country, you need to have an authorization to travel with 
uh, this violin. But this was a mistake, and this was a mistake in the first place. The Luthier just wrote some kind of nonsense. Why, I cannot tell you, because I told him with my own words, it is a violin that is lent to me by a Swiss sponsor that supports my career by giving me this instrument. Why did he write this? I cannot tell you today. But as I know this person, well, never used his services, but I knew this person. I did not check inside the, the, the passport. I saw he wrote Guadagnini, he wrote the attributes of the violin, and that's it. And of course, I was shocked when this came up at customs because the digital uh, contract, loan contract, which was in my phone, wasn't enough for the customs. They said, well, you know, you could have done it uh, in an unlegal way right now. Because I spent at customs around four hours. Um, they called the inspector, the, the all kind of policemen. And uh, well, it was, it was a very, very unpleasant and stressful situation. So that's, that's how it started. Of course, I admit that maybe not having the original of the loan contract was my mistake and trusting the Luthier to issue a normal passport were my two mistakes. But 25, 27 years, I travel with different violence, with Guarneri del Gesù, with Santo Serafino, with Ruggeri. And never have, have I had a problem. Never. I mean, it just seems like the kind of thing that you wouldn't expect to happen. You don't expect that uh, someone's going to write a letter in your violin passport that's going to uh, send up suspicions of smuggling an item of cultural historical significance to your country. So, you know, what do you do at that point? And you mentioned you were at the airport for four hours. Did you miss your flight as, as a result? What happened after I that? I missed my flight. That is the, was the, the smallest problem because... Uh, I sorted out and I bought a new flight the next day, uh, very early in the morning. But then, of course, you know, I didn't want to cancel the, the concert in Moscow because it was the first appearance at this festival. And also I was playing with my partner, Denis Kozuhin, who is just a great pianist. It's always a pleasure to play together. Then I called uh, Vadim Repin, who's a good friend, and I said, please help me out to find an instrument, which he did. And I am eternally grateful for this gesture. I think at four in the afternoon, I got the instrument and the concert was at seven. And this concert is on YouTube, where we are playing an ESCO and what did we play? Uh, a Beethoven uh, uh, Kreutzer Sonata. And so all in, it was, um, it was kind of... Um, I don't know, surrealistic situation and feeling and everything, because I was sure that when coming back to Moldova and going to our Ministry of Culture on Monday and getting a paper, this violin isn't in the registers of our country, that would end there. But actually, they did open a panel case on my name for attempts of smuggling. And I have two presidential titles in my country, Master of Arts and the National Prize for Culture. These are very, very respected prizes, which actually are the biggest titles for, for us. So, and I also have a charity foundation there, which I'm running since almost five years. So I am a public person in a way and opening a panel case for smuggling attempt. Yeah, you know, it's a very, very psychologically a very difficult position and uh, situation. And the, the fact that the customs and later also the DA, the prosecutor on their institution, leaked the information to the press, that I didn't expect. And that hit me 
like out of nowhere. So I imagine there would have been a lot of implications uh, on you in terms of, you know, your mental health, your anxiety, just this unexpected sort of surge of uncertainty. You're finding out everything out at the same time as everyone else, right? I was sure from the first day that my violin, I would get the violin back because everything what was happening was such a big nonsense that it was sure that one day everything will be clear and it will get back in shape, let's say. But what was very, very difficult is that they leaked the name of my Swiss lawyer in the press. They called him the owner of the violin. Then I had some very unpleasant talks with him, with my sponsor. I almost let's say, lost the violin in a way because, of course, the sponsor, at one moment, he said, uh, you know, I'm even considering when you get it back to take it back because all these costs of lawyer, of me traveling to uh, Moldova various times because I thought, well, now it's going to end, and it didn't. And then, of course, the canceled concerts, my debut concert in Norway and some others, and also they didn't communicate in Moldova. The prosecutors and all these people who were taking care of this case, they didn't clearly communicate, and this lack of clearness was very difficult, and my nights were very short. Yeah, I can imagine. It just must have been totally weighing on your entire being because you know this is related to your job but it's also so personal as well must feel very unpleasant so no spoilers here but you managed to get your violin back after several months can you run us through how that happened I know that you started up a petition to get your guardianini back how did it actually happen well you know I at one point because we gave the Moldavian uh, authorities all the documents uh, by mail by FedEx original pictures this that everything they asked Interpol was contacting them so there were so many parties involved that it got really messy at the point. With my lawyers, we could not get a clear answer as for when can I uh, get it back before this case, to be honest. I was a rather low-key person. I mean, meaning Instagram, Facebook and stuff like this. Posting some pictures from concert, this everybody does. But then I thought like this is a tool which will gather people and will create a kind of pressure uh, for a case that is a total nonsense. I started the petition where I explained, of course, in detail what happened in my native language, in Moldavian, uh, because the, the Moldavian public was targeted, let's say so. I asked to sign this petition because from, uh, if I'm not wrong, but 600 signatures, this letter goes to our government and it's considered, let's say, it's being read and taken care of. Of course, all the press immediately contacted me and I gave a lot of interviews and insisted publicly that this makes no sense, that I'm really having financial and all kind of damages you can imagine and that I insist for the violin to be returned. And if there are any more questions as for documents or documentation, we can provide it, but give me the violin back. And even then... Of course, it helped accelerating the process, but it didn't happen overnight. It still needed three weeks and some more documents from the owner and some more certificates and contracts. And it was a huge mess. But the day they received it, I brought it. I brought these documents from the Swiss part. They actually did their best to make all the documentation ready to to give me the violin back. And actually, it happened 
extremely quickly. You know, this this whole nightmare was two months long, but then the moment they got the, the papers they were asking for, it lasted like two, two or three days. But the problem was the more they were asking the papers, the more there were questions and new and new and new questions. And that was the problem. The loan contract was not enough. Then the certificates were in English. They must have been uh, translated and notarized. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why it took so long because also this was an exceptional case for our country because they never actually were confronted with this kind of situations because not many Moldavian people play good violence. And not many come to Moldova to visit or play with this instrument. There is no clear legislation between our Ministry of Culture and our customs as for what exactly is needed to cross the border, to entry and to exit. So this is the question which we will now be trying to to solve in Moldova. Apparently, Uh, We are now in the process of research and uh, trying to understand what this is. Apparently, if this represents cultural value for any country, be it Switzerland, Italy, France, doesn't matter, one needs to have one paper issued by the state uh, where the instrument or the piece of art belongs to, which is called Export and Import Authorization. And this is issued by the country where where this instrument belongs to. I'm not sure. That's why in my last interviews for the press, I said that there has to be a reform regarding this paper or these rules. We are talking about a piece of art, but a work instrument. Okay, this is not a painting on the wall, which you can see, but you cannot use. Yeah, it's a it's a tool as well. You need it for your work. Tool for yeah. work. So this has to be made easier for us to cross border everywhere. This has to change. We have to to have a clear word as for what exactly is needed. A passport, pictures, loan contract. Does it have to be? Can it be digital? Should it be in original? Yeah. Well, I think absolutely because I understand it must be like such a huge struggle to comprehend all the things that have happened hopefully by you having gone through all of this it does make it easier for people traveling in the future you now have the platform to speak about this and make people aware of the problems of traveling totally yeah and i i really hope that my case will serve as an example and as a let's say uh, a small not reminder but a bell you know for for all my colleagues to check what exactly they need for traveling because I really wish for no one to go through what I I went through the last uh, two months. Yeah, traumatic. <laughs> so how did it feel when you finally got your Guadagnini back? Ah, it was amazing. <laughs> you know, I actually, it was such a weird feeling when they opened it and the custom, they said, can you check if everything is okay? And I opened the violin and so many comments have been written, like they stole your violin, they're making a copy, they sold it, they this and that. And I was so paranoid, you know? So when I opened the violin, my first thought was like, is it the same? Like I even did not remember how it how it looked because so many pictures were exchanged in these two months. So so much information was told, written, heard, said that when when I opened, I even have goosebumps when I remember now. But you know, when I saw it, I thought like, is it this color? Is it this bridge? Is it this? You know. <laughs> so it was very special. And then of course 
I played a little bit and I thought like, yes, that's my baby. <laughs> yeah. If you know, you know, and yeah, there's no mistaking yeah. that. Well, that's brilliant to hear that you've had such a positive outcome ultimately with this whole situation. Thank you so much for sharing your story <laughs> with us. And hopefully we learn a lot going forward in terms of international travel with instruments. Thank you. Thank you, Davina. Thank you. That was violinist Alexandra Kononova. I think we can all agree that travelling with a musical instrument is difficult, even at the best of times, and going forth, we can learn from Alexandra's situation. Hopefully it doesn't happen again. And don't forget to head to our website, thestrad.com, to check out the latest news and articles on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students. Not sure if you're ready to subscribe? You can take out a free trial for seven days. Start reading right away with no strings attached. Check the show notes for the link. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or rating. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.